motions off the couch and stuff, trying to find this stupid little thing because I... Yeah, it's just... Where's the remote control? Oh, yeah. Oh! And why is it always... Un- How does the remote control get under the couch in the first place? I have no idea. It's like so- we gotta duct tape that thing to a table or something. Yeah, I think that's probably when I get the angriest. And it seems like some of it, it, it's that the anger is always that secondary emotion, right? It's like you start off, you've got the anxiety, and then the anxiety leads to the anger. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. Well, hey, sweetheart, we're we're back in the studio for a, another recording of the podcast. How are you feeling about things? Hey, it, doing great over here. So, uh, you know, th- thanks for listening in, friends. And today what we're going to be doing is talking about how we can manage anger. And Not that uh, anyone ever has problems with anger. That's no, a never, never a problem in any kind of a relationship, let alone a marriage. You know, I know some families where unfortunately it's characterization of the family or the marriage is anger and that causes the anger and a lot of baggage that then comes from the anger. Uh, so certainly got to make sure that's uh, handled in appropriate kind of ways. Yeah, it's crazy, right? People have different attitudes about anger and stuff, but it's almost cliche that you've got the mad parent, right? We love watching superhero shows, and, or at least I do, and Jen watches them with me. It's all um, good. It's almost cliche you've got the the angry parent all the time right it's just it seems like people expect someone in a marriage to always be angry and and that's a problem because these are the fictitious tv shows but i think that that's pouring over just into our collective kind of psyche just as to some of our expectations of how things should be but i think god has uh, a lot better for us than having one person in the marriage who's always angry or both you know we we need to be following god and, and live the way he wants us to live and it's certainly not living into anger Right. People will try to excuse it, right? It's like, oh, well, Jesus got mad. Righteous anger. There's a there's a meme that's been going around for a while that says, hey, um, you know, the whole what would Jesus do or be like Jesus? Remember that turning over tables and chasing people out of the building with a whip is within the realm of possibility. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. But that's so out of context because Jesus had a specific reason and this idea of, oh, I'm just going to be angry and you just got to put up with my anger. That That's scary. I mean, I think really, especially in families, like with kids, it's like if mom or dad's always mad, it's just, it's kind of scary to always be dealing with anger. Yeah, it's definitely an environment that would uh, produce a lot of anxiety there. And, uh, you know, again, Jesus would be the embodiment of what the perfect godly anger would be like. I think that even when he was turning over tables in the temple, that was under control. But, you know, Brian, what what are some things that would make you angry? Oh, so so we're going to go there. Episode two, and we're already going to... Oh, I'm in trouble now. (laughs) I think this is an obvious one. Obviously, well, for you, because you watch me deal with it so much. I get so stressed. So first of all, for the listeners, I'm an army brat, grew up. My dad was in the army 21 years and timeliness has been a thing my whole life. It's like, no, you are not late to anything. I like being on time. I didn't say you didn't like I'm being not, on time. I'm not somebody who's running late. But you don't experience anxiety for when we're running late. So that wasn't a- That's true. That, wasn't, that is true. That was not a slam. I get really anxious about timeliness and when it's time to go. And something that just makes me so angry is when- we have to take something with us or we can't find something. And that, that bothers me in general. The kids are coming up to me and say, I can't find my Pokemon card or my case for my glasses, whatever it is. It's like, if you would just 
put things away where they belong. Oh no, we're going there, Brian. (laughs) We would not be searching all over the house for this thing. But in fairness, in fairness, I get just as mad at me as I do at anyone else about this, right? Oh, I think you get madder at you when Uh, you can't find something. It's just, I mean, everyone, it's just dad, Brian's on the warpath here, turning, pulling cushions off the couch and stuff, trying to find this stupid little thing because I... Yeah, it's just... Where's the remote control? Oh, yeah. Oh! And why is it always... How does the remote control get under the couch in the first place? I have no idea. It's like we gotta duct tape that thing to a table or something. Yeah, I think that's probably... At least at home, that's probably when I get the angriest, I think. And it seems like some of it, it, it's that the anger is always that secondary emotion, right? It's like you start off, you've got the anxiety, and then the anxiety leads to the anger. That or, and we're going to talk about this in a later um, podcast, right? Expectations. I expect, I told you, the remote control always goes on this table. Uh oh. I don't think I've ever seen the remote control on that table, but that's where the remote control goes. <laughs> it's that's expectations, right. right? The cat uh, moved it. She sure, moved it. Sure, yeah. She, <laughs> the cat moved it because she was trying to turn on the aquarium to watch her cat TV. Something uh, like that. Yeah. In that sense, I've got to be honest, though, my emotion gets the better of me sometimes, and I've got to get things under control. But anger's not always bad. Oh, no, I would say that anger is certainly not the bad thing about it because it's a natural emotion. Everybody's going to experience some anger, and a lot of that, it's coming from something else. Again, it's it's triggered by some anxiety or some fear, and anger is that response and kind of manifestation to kind of help protect from that initial emotion that's there. So what isn't bad is the anger in and of itself, But if it's mishandled, that's when the anger is going to be uh, a bad thing. Yeah, because even even God, when we look at scripture, God got angry. I mean, look at the prophets. My gosh, he got really angry at Israel for their idolatry, right? Sure. And he he called it, I mean, he called their idolatry adultery. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point he even says, look, I'm divorcing you. I mean, God divorced Israel because he was so mad at them because they were doing the wrong thing. So feeling anger and when things ought not be so, or we think about different situations in the world when we watch the news, we see things that ought not be so. It ought not, and it's okay to feel anger. And I mean, going back to the illustration at the beginning, right? Jesus is chasing people out of the temple because the money changers and all those people in the temple, they were keeping people from God. They were trying to force people away from from God and not experience the fullness of the experience of God. And it ought not be so. And Jesus, yeah, I'm angry about this because it ought not be so. But also, I, I would say, too, when you look at God in the Old Testament, sometimes people will kind of come up with this misnomer of God in the Old Testament is angry, but God in the New Testament is loving. And that's not true because God has always been loving. And I love how he describes himself in Exodus as being so loving and gracious and slow to anger. And that's something that we should be emulating because if anybody can do the angry scorch the earth, it is literally God, but that's not who he is. That's not in his character. And not that he can't act and punish for 
for these uh, sins, as he has, has certainly done in the Old Testament, as you were talking about in Isaiah and in Jeremiah. But he, he's always here. He always loves us, and he always provides that uh, redemption. And that's particularly the case by sending Jesus to us. I think that's a good point. You're, you're right, because, I mean, it's easy to go off about the angry God, and that's even a cliche, right? The People have tried to claim there's two different gods in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. This is about marriage, not about theology, so I've got to watch myself. But yeah, you're right, and that's important to bring out because also when you look at the prophets, you don't just see God's anger, you see God's sadness and feeling of betrayal, but it's also, you know, his love, his him wanting to reach out and bring back um, people to what's going on. Let's talk about managing our anger, though, because... I think that there's a passage in Ephesians that really is important for this, but I think it's something that people don't always understand completely. So I'm going to read this passage, then we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. It's Ephesians um, chapter 4, starting in verse 26. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Some translations don't say the cause of your anger, just says don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's an interesting passage because it presumes you will get angry, right? We all do. Yeah, we're going to get angry. So it presumes that you're going to get angry. And this passage, by the way, it's not just talking about anger. That's one of the things I think is really important too, because we're talking about managing anger in marriage. But if you took this literally, like some people will say, this literally is how you have to manage anger in your marriage. Mm -hmm. And so you can't go to bed. You can't go to sleep until you resolve this issue because you're giving a devil his foothold. Well, if that's true, then this is not talking about marriage. It's not a marriage passage in Ephesians. That would mean anytime you were angry with anyone over anything, it's like you've got to pick up a call. It's like you can't go to sleep until we resolve this issue. Right. And that wouldn't be the case. It seems like you were saying that, again, it's kind of the the don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's not something that's unique to the Apostle Paul. Is that right? Yeah, it was an idiom. So, And that's the way it should be taken. It, it's more proverbial. Paul wasn't giving a command from God, thou shalt not. He's talking about good principles and good ideas that, hey, don't let your anger keep going. And we've seen this, right? When people don't resolve their anger, they're upset at something. Um, we've seen it's just, it gets worse and worse and it just builds and it festers. So it seems like a, a lot of it, it's just saying, I, I like to use the term, don't marinate in your anger. Um, That's good. I like that. Y- you know, it's, it, you don't want that to just get soaked up into you because if you were talking about that, you're marinating a, a piece of chicken that you're going to cook for dinner. It takes on that marinade and you just can't get it off. But the good news is with anger, Christ can supernaturally remove that from us, but let's not do the damage to ourselves by festering and marinating in that to try to give that the devil a foothold. Because I'd say too, if I get mad at you and I'm angry with you at nine o'clock in the morning, I can't just say, Ooh, I'm going to revel in this and I'm going to be really mad at you. And then I'll try to resolve things a half hour before the sun goes down. That that's not what this is saying. It's saying, don't let this uh, fester. Yeah. That's not going to work very well. And I also, that point about not giving the devil a foothold because you really do give the anger power over you when you let it fester, right? When mm-hmm. you just marinate it, as you were saying, you give that anger power and control over you. When our kids were little, um, you're teaching toddlers not to have temper tantrums, teaching them how to deal with their emotions and they're feeling things and they just don't know what they're feeling or how to deal with it. Um, we, we'd always 
tell them when they were getting angry and stuff. It's like, hey, you've got to control your emotions. Don't let your emotions control you. Mm-hmm. You know, and we never want to say it's not okay to feel emotions because that's repression. That's something that's unhealthy and wrong. It, your emotions aren't in and of themselves bad. They're a, a response that you're having to a situation. But we can't let those emotions control us. Oh, absolutely. I think it's wise to separate. I am so angry at this entire person versus I'm angry or I'm frustrated about a situation that we're trying to resolve because we always talk about the idea of team marriage. We're on the same team. We win or we lose together. There's no winner or loser between the two of us because if one is saying I'm the winner, the other one's a loser. Guess what? You both lost. Yeah, the marriage just both lost. But I think even that, I even like the language better. I'm feeling angry or I'm mm-hmm. feeling anger. In um, the Mantis character in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, she talks about how feeling she controls emotions anyway. Okay, I geek out on the Bible and on Marvel. You know, you're feeling anger because when you say I am angry, now you're even using language of identity. And it's not, I'm not anger. I am not my anger. I feel my anger. And that's something that is part of me, but just as much as my finger is part of me, my finger is not me, but it's an aspect of me. And my anger, if I should lose my anger, I don't become less of me. And I think that's sometimes people who fester in their anger, they've become so identified with their anger that they can't separate what they're feeling from who they are. Right. And I think anger being an emotion and feeling that for very specific reasons, as opposed to anger becoming part of your character. And that's something that you certainly don't want. You don't want to be characterized by anger. You don't want anger to be a part of what your character is. But I do think sometimes where it's like, hey, I'm angry about this particular situation. It's sometimes it is wise to say, we're going to table this discussion. We're going to enjoy each other's company even, and we're just going to sleep on this. And then we're going to wake up in the morning and we're going to set aside time where we can really hash this out and resolve this matter. But you need to make sure you're being proactive about that, especially in a marriage. Absolutely. And I think that a big part of that is because of the physiology of anger Mm -hmm. because of what our bodies do. And it's pretty consistent for most people. I mean, the details may be different, but this is all starts in our limbic system. It's all a response, a chemical response in our brain to a stimulus, Mm -hmm. expectation, something happened and responding. And anger is often because of that fight or flight reaction is being triggered. And so now Our body is being flooded with the chemicals that prepare us for action. Mm -hmm. So our capillaries swell, our blood starts pumping. And I don't know about you, but I can feel it. When I'm really, really angry, I can feel my heart start racing. Feel the vein popping in your forehead. Well, no, you see that, but I don't feel that Okay, (laughs) I'm glad you don't feel that because it looks painful. It must be scary. But I, I can feel my blood pressure rising. I can feel myself getting angry. And a couple of things that I notice... I grit my teeth. I start gritting my teeth and I start doubling up my fists. It's like my body is responding to that. I'm ready to fight. You know, even though obviously I'm not going to fight because I can't find my car keys. I mean, who am I going to fight? It's going to be that scene like that um, Jim Carrey movie where he beats himself up in the bathroom. Oh, Um, that's not workable. And hint, (laughs) Brian, check in your pants downstairs, right? It's probably 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 where your keys are. Part of that is dealing with the physiology of anger. So you were talking about, hey, sometimes you need to take a break. You need to take a break just to work out those chemicals, work out that adrenaline, get your heart rate down. Um, Because another thing that happens, just physiologically, tunnel vision will start happening. Mm -hmm. And 
you just you can't see what's going on around you. You just you get so target fixated on I'm angry and this is what's going on that you can't deal with real life. And so you may even not be angry at the thing that you should be angry about because you're so focused on this and then you're lashing out. So I, I tell the story in the book. We hadn't been in the house we live in now for very long. We had just moved there. Jonathan was still a baby. And I don't even remember what we were arguing about, but I was so angry. We, we both were. And I was so angry. And you went downstairs. It's like, okay, we need to take a break. This just isn't working. So you went downstairs. I don't even know what you were doing because I stayed upstairs. And I had so much angry energy that I just started cleaning the house. I did the dishes and I was still angry. So I started cleaning the kitchen. And by the end of the night, before we actually sat down and talked, I had cleaned the entire first floor of our house, the kitchen. I had mopped all the floors. I had vacuumed. I mean, the house was probably the cleanest it's ever been. Thank you, babe. And just so, you know, whoever's listening to this, my friends, I don't incite Brian to anger just because I want to get the house clean. So, uh... But I literally have mad cleaning skills. Just saying. Yeah, literally. There you go. Oh, Um, but yeah, it, the physiology of anger is something that you, we have to address and we have to deal with. So walking away is important part of managing anger. What are some things you do though when, when you're feeling angry? How do you manage your anger? You know, I, I like the term unplugging versus walking away. Okay. Yeah. I like that. The, the idea of that um, is that you're separating yourself from the the conflict for a time. It's not like I'm throwing up my hands and I'm walking out on or, or walking away from my spouse. Like the relationship isn't important. In, instead, it's just saying, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm just take some time, and you're not gonna be mad at me while I'm unplugged because who am I gonna be talking to? I'm not gonna be calling up my my girlfriends to complain about you or family members to complain. I'm gonna be talking to Jesus. And instead of saying what's wrong with Brian, hopefully I'm having the wherewithal to say I want to look at my myself and see how am I contributing to this conflict and what can we do to to work things out? Because sometimes when you're dealing with these kinds of conflicts where you're getting really angry, the compromise, it's never a good idea if you want to wear the brown shoes and I want to wear the black shoes, you just get one black shoe and one brown shoe. And that's what you're going to be then wearing. That just doesn't work. But the kids are always doing mismatched socks. So you can't do that with shoes? Well, well, I guess you can't do that with shoes, but you can do that with socks. (laughs) But, but, but in any event, sometimes you do have to, to come to a resolution where it's not a, a one for one compromise for that. But I always like to have the attitude of how am I honoring God and what is going to then move the family forward? in the best possible way in this conflict. I think the other thing too, when dealing with anger is it requires a lot of introspection. It requires a lot of prayer, but why am I angry? Mm -hmm. What is it that makes this so important? The answer to that is huge for who you are. And that's part of growing in holiness. Am I even right to be angry about this? Mm -hmm. Um, So going back to my story at the beginning, right about, I mean, I can't find things, especially when we're trying to leave. That's not healthy. I I know that I have anxiety about showing up late to things. And I know that about myself. Yeah, better three hours early than one minute late, right? Yes, absolutely. A hundred (laughs) percent. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So what's going to happen if I'm late? No one will die. No one will die. You're, You're not a surgeon. You're not like a trauma surgeon. No, and really it comes down to fear of some sort of reprisal, right? It's just this fear that I have that something bad's going to happen. And that's important when you're dealing with anger too. We have to be able to unplug, like you said, but we also have to, when we're unplugging, we can unplug and just let it fester. 
right? We can unplug and make it worse and give the devil a foothold and give anger control of ourselves because, oh my gosh, you know, if Jen would just do this and this and this, and then, and I just replay this and rehash this, Mm -hmm. that's not helpful at all. I need to really step back and why am I angry about this? What is the root issue? And usually it has something to do with when we walk back and it's something that I have a fear over or we, not just me. We're afraid that the ultimate outcome is going to be something bad. And this might be even some triggers for all of us. You know, did something happen when we were growing up? Are are these just kind of more preferences or predilections? But to just make sure you're getting under control, because like you had said, it's like I'm getting angry because this particular issue is just so important. And why is this so important? And then certainly the other spouse that's seeing that, is that issue just as important to the other spouse or is it not? It just kind of just trying to get more of an understanding together. And and I think sometimes that can help diffuse the anger on both sides. It's just like, why is my spouse feeling this? And just try to talk it through and again, be honest about it. Right. And that's something too, that it's important. Um, We as individuals need to be able to manage our anger, but we as couples need to manage it too, right? Mm -hmm. It's um, if I know that this is something that's key or important, then I need to be respectful of that too. Because we we talked a lot about, okay, this isn't important, this isn't important in this podcast, but there are things that are really are important. And again, anger is not bad. Um, Life, maim, you know, things like that. If if I'm doing something that is going to ultimately have a significant negative impact on our health as a family, that doesn't necessarily just mean physical health, but am I being irresponsible with how I'm taking care of our house or you know, I'm not getting the oil changed in the car? Okay, you missed the oil change, that's fine. But if that keeps going and the car breaks down and our daughter who terrifyingly is going to be getting ready to drive soon. Not too terrifying. <laughs> no, she, she's a great driver, but being a dad and thinking about all the knuckleheads on the road. We learned very, very early on when she started driving, you know, just w- with us in the car that, you know, that's why Catholics keep rosaries in, in the car. But yes. Yeah. So it's at just, all I mean, times. prayer, 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 prayer. Matter of fact, if you're listening to this right now, pray for me. Um, <laughs> we, we need prayers for all kinds of stuff there, Brian. But the, the point is, if I'm not being responsible or the children aren't being responsible with getting the oil change in the car, that's a safety issue because if at some point that engine seizes when you're doing 75 miles an hour on the freeway, that's literally life or limb could be at jeopardy. But it's also if we're being foolish about finances and we're putting our family in jeopardy and causing debt or taking things out of savings that probably we need to, there are some things it's okay to get angry about because the fear behind that is a real issue for the health of the family. But let's also talk about just the idea of how far-reaching anger can be, because we're talking about some some anger that might be happening because something that happened in the family. But again, you can't let that fester. You can't marinate in that, because I've even seen uh, some things with uh, families that I, I work with on, on the legal side of things, where this wo- this adult woman was so angry about her sister stealing money from her mother. And of course, we're going to be mad about something like that. But she let that anger so overtake her, it spilled over into her family life and her anger towards her sister spilled over into her then expressing anger, being short-tempered, being very 
very prone to conflict then with her husband and kids. So we really need to make sure that that's controlled. Yeah. So, I mean, anger isn't bad, but definitely it's mishandled anger. And when we look at Ephesians with that advice, it needs to be dealt with quickly, not necessarily Mm -hmm. in the moment, because sometimes you need to unplug and deal with the physiology of it. Dealing with our anger, we need to deal with the physiology of it. We need to make sure we've got control of our emotions, not our emotions controlling us, and be aware of what is this thing that is causing us anger and make sure that we are dealing with our own issues and so that we can have healthy anger, not unhealthy anger. That's it. We have another opportunity for you to help your marriage thrive. We are hosting a special intensive marriage retreat at the beautiful Richard Bush Renewal Center in Michigan. This is an opportunity for us to spend time with you personally, developing the skills that will help your marriage thrive. We'll talk about enhancing communication skills, conflict resolution, and building intimacy in your marriage. As an added bonus, podcast listeners will receive a 10% discount. All you have to do is mention the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast when you register. This retreat is limited to only nine couples, so make sure you register soon. For more information, contact us at our website, operationthrivingmarriage.com. We look forward to meeting you in person.